0: Welcome to the EV Ready Podcast, featuring industry leaders and their perspectives on electrification, hosted by EV Ready Energy. Hi everybody, this is Chris Nyan with the EV Ready podcast. Thanks for joining. I'm here with Cole Rosson, the Director of Business Development for Sparkion. And Cole, thanks. Firstly, thanks so much for joining. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, so I was really excited to have you on because I feel like battery storage is one of those things in the uh, in the EV charging space. But beyond that, that are kind of misunderstood. I have a feeling that. This is going to go similar to a conversation that I would have about EV charging, where people think it's about the battery and it's about something else. Uh, but I'm excited to kind of hear your take on on the industry and and where it is, and and yeah, just really appreciate you joining. So, just to to sort of kick it off with you, tell us a little bit about you and your your background. So, Sparkion, first of all, it's a battery energy storage company. We really focused on energy management
1: software, So if you think about it, and we'll talk about this further. Batteries themselves are a relatively commoditized entity, but from an operational standpoint, it's the smart software that has to really engage with what happens at these sites on a daily or minute or second basis to make these uh, batteries actually worthwhile to the grid. So um, SparkGam really focuses on advanced algorithms that in real time can take power measurements and figure out what to do with these assets. Um, Myself, though, you know, if we look at the energy chain and we'll talk, a, I guess, a, a bit about that as well, because I think that, you know, this entire thing with, with EV charging really comes down to how we get the energy to the EV charging ports. Um, But my background is very much in automotive for about 10 years. And, um, you know, from an OEM, I was at a couple of OEMs and then actually went to an EV charging company. And now, you know, I guess talking about the energy chain down to the charger. Well, now I'm actually on the energy side of it so all the way upstream uh, in that chain which I really find to be one of the most interesting parts about this entire business now um, so yeah I, I look forward to speaking about
0: it cool so so yeah tell me a little bit like the battery space is a bit of, of an unknown I think you know a lot of people if you're talking EV they know they know the charging station types even more people know the vehicle types. But in general, I don't think people understand, uh, you know, the the batteries, battery types, the software tied to it. Um, but you know, tell us a little bit about kind of where the industry today is, like how to think about the battery versus the software, and and why the, the role that you're playing is is so valuable. Sure. Um, I mean, I'd say first and foremost to
1: identify, you know, we are talking specifically about EVs, and you know, battery energy storage has been an entity that's been around for. 15, 20 years and in, in what we'd call front of the meter. So, you know, that utility companies have these, you know, relatively large, um, entities of batteries at wind farms and solar farms for very obvious reasons, right? You produce solar when it's sunny out, but you might not need to use that solar at that specific period of time. And given that electricity is a just in time production, um, we have to store that. So the battery space, I'm not saying it's mature. Um, it's evolving. When we look at the EV infrastructure space with battery storage, we're not talking uh, behind the meter. And this is really focused on much smaller scale units that have to act really quickly. That means that you put the battery cells through a bit more stress. Uh, it's what we call the C rate of the battery. How quickly the inverter can react based on the amount of capacity that the battery has. And you know the reason I'm saying that is because with EVs, the three cases that we really kind of talk about on a global level, and that's as interesting about this. It's not just uh, a US pain point. Um, this is the same pain point we see in, in Spain or Italy or Norway or Sweden or uh, India or anywhere in the world. And and the things that we look at are, number one, with DC fast chargers specifically, does the grid have enough capacity to actually put those charges into the ground? And in a lot of cases, substations do not. We see that quite often in the European market. Number two is that when we do add these renewables to the grid, especially as fleets or, or fuel stations have their own generation on site, meaning that solar, well, this is an easy use case for batteries, right? They don't necessarily know that a vehicle is going to be plugged in right when the sun is shining. Um, And the third one, which really shifts market to market, is on the financial side of the equation, which in the United States, we can talk about uh, that in the form of demand charges. Somewhere like Germany, we can talk about that in the form of energy arbitrage, where they see energy fluctuations between, say, uh, 20 uh, cents or 0.2 euros uh, per kilowatt hour, up to 60. Um, So there are enormous swings. I mean, the the, uh, war in Ukraine has caused a lot of volatility in that market. So these are the three key reasons. And with that really, you know, opens up the discussion of for each use case at each specific site, why storage is so vital.
0: What's your, sorry, what's your biggest challenge as a salesperson talking about battery storage in 2023? Mm, That's a good question. Um, You know, the the biggest
1: challenge with this business is the same challenge I would argue that we face on the utility grid in general, Um, right? The utility grid is extremely fragmented, even though it's all interconnected. You can argue Um, the reality is that we have something in the United States, what, 3,000 utilities or something like this. um, Let's call it 168 IOUs that make up the majority of the space, but each of those have a very different rate structure. So my biggest issue when when we're talking about energy storage at scale is that you have to make a financial business case for every customer based on their specific utility rates, their specific use case of how many kilowatts of chargers they have on site, what their specific grid connection is, what their specific load profile is. All of a sudden, it's a lot of Excel modeling, or, or you know, we have some software that can do some of this modeling, but it still takes quite a lot for each sale that we have.
0: And in what are some of the regions right now, like obviously some areas are more progressive than others. I imagine utilities are reaching out to you guys to pilot projects or figure out how to integrate battery into their you know, many cases are fragile grid. What, what parts of the country are you focusing on? What are areas that are most advantageous in the battery space right now? So
1: an interesting point is that utilities are not the one actually that, and, and that's what makes this a very challenging equation. And it's what makes it like an interesting solution. Cause you know, when we think about it in this whole EV game, the utilities are the ones that really hold the power on, you know, pun intended. Um, but they're really the guys that are controlling wholesale pricing gear. And they're the guys, per, you know, controlling most of the generation. You know, utilities. That being said, when they're talking about energy storage, they have it all the way at the very top end of the energy stream. Um, they'll have these things, you know, right at the point of generation. And a single battery, it might be a ten or fifteen or hundred megawatt battery, massive. Um, that might serve ten thousand EVs downstream. Right? That's like an overstatement, right? But it might do some peak shaving here and there. You get my point, though. It's at the very top. And that's because the utility company is responsible for not just the EV customers or the EV sites, but everyone on that grid and that sub, you know, that series of substations and and amongst those distribution lines down the down the road. But the challenge that we see actually is is when customers are putting in DC fast chargers, specifically our big clusters of AC chargers, if all of them are plugged in at once, they're really spiking their grid connection at that point. And in many cases they're putting um, their localized grid connection so that very very last mile of grid connection over the amount of potential power that it can support and when that happens you know you have two options right option a is your utility company is going to increase the size of your substation transformer and when that happens someone's going to be paying for that right in the form of a demand charge um, or increased rates overall And the other option is that you yourself are going to put in either energy storage or something, you know, you're going to likely work with smart charging technology to load manage and dynamically load balance a lot of those assets. But all of a sudden, if you have a fuel station or a fleet that has to have peak power no matter what, you have to figure out a solution for this.
0: You, yeah, and just out of curiosity, what what percentage of your business is helping the end users? And I know that these are tied, but helping the end users economics versus helping a utility at the top. Yeah, to your point, it's totally
1: tied, right? When we help the end users, it saves the utility money. Um, but most of what we do is we speak with the end users because the you know the goal of of you can argue the goal of renewables is decentralizing power and energy. You know, if you have on-site solar generation and storage, all of a sudden you take that power we talked about out of the hands of the utility and you put it in, into the hands of the site hosts themselves. So that gives the site host, if you're you're selling charging sessions or or if it's your fleet, you can either make more margin per session that you sell, or you can reduce your energy costs for your fleet to, to get that thing charged. You know, I, I think that in a perfect world, there is a synergy between the utility and, and each of these sites specifically. And if the utility knew that at twelve fifteen p.m. on a Friday—that's the time right now—this um, substation and, and these ten fleets that are all dis, you know disparate uh, fleets are going to have this amount of power and peak power, then they could actually send the exact correct amount of power to that site and understand that site and, and have an infrastructure built that's not something that exists and it may never exist that's a very utopian viewpoint on things but you know if we can get a part of that connected and, and different batteries taking off some load this will take a lot of stress off the grid
0: and and you know you're talking about some things like you know demand response uh or or shaving off demand chargers you mind just taking us back and giving us a one-on-one a 101 on on what those things actually mean
1: yeah yeah you know but- We've done quite a bit of research and and, and been part of discussions because utilities are trying to figure this out right now. You know, at the end of the day, if we do have about two hundred thousand DC fast charging ports on the grid, uh, there's a recent report just released by National Grid actually that said that about thirty three percent EV penetration in the National Grid territory, so Massachusetts Connecticut area, um, that would be the inflection point of when their grid might run out of capacity to support um, simultaneous sessions. So the expectation on a national level is something like a hundred billion dollars, um, and this is a McKinsey, I think a, a McKinsey or BCG report came out about a year and a half ago that really focuses on how much infrastructure costs will utilities have to invest nationally to support charging infrastructure, and they expect something between thirty five hundred and four thousand dollars per EV on the road, which roughly comes out to about ninety to one hundred billion dollars of investment. That's a substantial number, and utilities are are well. They need to be profitable entities. You know, the only way they're going to pay for that is by increasing utility rates, and that's before, to your point, they're even talking about you know the demand charges that come with maintaining uh, those assets. So, you know, the capex investment from the utility side, say 100 billion dollars, the opex though, so for an annual basis, is something like two and a half, three billion dollars, which billion, not that much money if I spread that over all the utilities. But if we do look at some of the major hubs in in you know LA or, or Mass in New York or even parts of Florida, you can argue well there, there are certain pockets that are going to be really over-indexing on the amount of money they're having to spend to support EV infrastructure. That's where you're
0: going to see your rate structure really go through the roof. Yeah, so interesting it is. Uh, you know, it's the wild west right now. And hearing someone like you talk about it, who's so familiar with with this market, it's just it's just really interesting uh, and unique. Yeah my next question for you um talk about battery storage a little bit like again like the focus should be on software that's where this that's where the focus needs to be but hardware is important too in, in certain ways and I, I always think about for charging like modularity is so important and i think it's just as important from a battery perspective as well so you know from your perspective on the hardware side what does the next five ten years look like on 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 the physical battery side and and some of the improvements that we'll see sure um so, you know, one of the, you asked
1: before kind of what's the biggest challenge that you face in selling, um, and in growing and scaling this business. And, you know, one of the challenges is the cost of hardware. And when we talk about energy storage. You look at a, a dollar per kilowatt hour of storage. Overall, these units have two factors. Assembly of the same way a car has horsepower and torque. Um, you can argue an energy storage unit has um, kilowatts and kilowatt hours. And if you divide those two, this gives you the the effective C rate and how quickly I can use that energy. So when someone says a two hour battery, it means they might have a 100 kilowatt inverter with 200 kilowatt hours of energy. So it takes two hours to use right? 200 kilowatt hours. Now, that being said, there are inflection points for a business case that if you are above a certain threshold based on that site of of dollar per kilowatt hour, there's probably not a strong business case there. Because keep in mind, you know, the, the, the thing that, that sometimes can can surprise people, and it's very obvious, is that with battery storage, you're still having to buy electricity from the grid, or you're still having to to buy the annualized cost of electricity from the solar that you've installed. So if my annualized dollar per kilowatt hour or my lifetime dollar per kilowatt hour of my storage unit, so what does that mean? It means that if I can have throughout the total lifespan of that battery, that set of batteries, I can put, say, a million kilowatt hours through that. All I do is I divide my total price of installation and and, and my my entire price by a million kilowatt hours. That tells me what my effective cost per kilowatt hour is to own that unit. Then I have to add what it costs me to fill that unit. And that could sometimes double the cost per kilowatt hour. So the equation would be are my dollar per kilowatt hour to use the battery less than my peak dollar per kilowatt hour from the grid? And if the answer to that is yes, well, it's a relatively easy equation there. But so that's like the price, the price challenge there. You know, the Inflation Reduction Act has has certainly had a strong impact on energy storage. There's something like a thirty to forty percent um, ITC effective um, with the IRA, and that certainly helps. Um, I would say that there's a lot of investment right now in domestic energy uh, battery cell production, you know, we we were talking briefly about battery hardware, importance of hardware and software. So to answer kind of your question, what it comes down to is that battery cells are a commodity. That's what it comes down to. Lithium is a commodity and it's hard to make money on a commodity, but that being said, it's easy to predict how commodity keep commodity like this can depreciate. And it's easier, easy to have price transparency and what the cost of that commodity is. So what that comes down to as all of this becomes commoditized from a hardware side is the strength of the inverter, the quality of the inverter, the quality of the fire suppression, the build quality of the actual storage unit itself. But you know, I would forecast that these sims are going to continue to get cheaper and cheaper at scale. And uh, lithium is, you know, it is finite resource. So there's a lot of projections on where those prices are are, going to be down the road. We've looked very heavily into second life batteries. You know, you've got millions of EVs that will be coming off the road in several years, and they usually get off the road with about eighty percent lifespan of batteries left. So you can reuse those batteries in energy storage for about fifty to sixty percent the cost of what a new battery cell is, and get still eighty percent of that life out of it that's a huge deal
0: yeah I'm, I'm so curious to hear your opinion you know you're, you're working with lithium ion batteries right now obviously and you hear all the hype about solid-state uh, what, what do you make of all that yeah it's a great question um, solid-state right now is still an unknown cost of
1: solid-state gonna be quite high for a while um, solid-state when it does come out and I hope it does come out relatively soon That'll be great for electric vehicles. Um, it reduces the, the time it is to charge that vehicle. It increases the range of those vehicles. It increases the lifespan of those batteries. You know, I think that the reality is we've got a ton of lithium-ion batteries that will be in production for at least the next decade. And for at least the next decade, um, the energy density of those batteries make them very applicable for energy storage. Um, you know, so there's since like Zinc-Ion that's been out for a while. There's a company called EOS you're familiar with them. These are containerized units, but energy density of something like a, a zinc ion battery is, is not very powerful, right? It's about 70% lithiums, you know, in the high 90s. Solid state will be a game changer. I just, I understand cost apprehensive and techn- technology apprehensive at this point. There's sodium batteries that could be a big game changer as well at a low cost. So look, I, I think the conversation we have today will be totally different in any year from now and five years from now. For all of us, I very much hope that there are tons of new technologies that continue to come out down the road. And one of the cool things about our software and software in general is that it's agnostic to the, the composite or, or the, the compound of battery that's used and the chemical buildup. So we're really looking on the meter readings, the power readings, the inverter uh, uh, controls. What happens with the, the BMS and those cells is it is really on the side of the manufacturer.
0: Awesome. And yeah, so my, I think my last question is obviously you're incredibly knowledgeable about this in, in early market, which is a unique position to be in for sure. Talk to us about Sparkion. What do you guys do? What's your differentiating factor? Um, and and yeah, h- how do you work with customers? So Sparkyon had, you know, we, we
1: really developed the market that we have a direct integration with the chargers so that happens either through an OCPP cloud connection, whoever the CSMS is or the OCPP provider of those chargers. Or through a Modbus connection to the charger. What does all that mean? It, it means that we can essentially connect any battery to any charger in real time and take those energy readings. And you know, it's important because, again, as we see this industry continue to grow, people will want to um, segment the different manufacturers that they use. They might have different, you know, multiple manufacturers on different sites that they own. Maybe one has charge point and one has ABB, whatever it is. So this is really vital. And the second part of that is coming with how do we understand how those sites use? Because if you think about it, you have to take a real-time calculation based on both prediction modeling, real-time and historical data, and then real-time data that's at that site to figure out what you do with the battery and then how you've the grid connection. And you had mentioned before demand response, which is something that's a super important part of the financial equation, which is... You know, how do we actually engage with the energy markets? The second you have a battery on your site, you have an asset there. And the second you're not using that asset for charging a vehicle, which let's be real, you're gonna charge your vehicle either maybe eight hours overnight or or could be just an hour of total usage between a few DCFC sessions throughout the day, you've got a grid asset you can monetize. And what we really specialize in doing is engaging with those energy markets. And we talk about energy markets, anything demand so response to ancillary services. How can, we, how can we discharge that battery at strategic times to both reduce costs of charging or increase that margin per charging session while driving incremental revenue through the energy markets. And these are really complex algorithms at that point that lots of things are interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and if people want to connect with you on their projects, how would they reach out to you? Yeah, you can, well, we can, we can go through Chris. You can see our websites,
1: uh, sparkion.io and request a demo. Um, we've just released this pretty cool, new energy platform that even goes a step deeper than a lot of our energy storage logic to actually look at, um, network level energy usage of multiple, um, disparate assets and understand how much power your sites are using. Cause you know, the thesis is that energy will be predictable and can be predictable. You can have PPAs, uh, process stuff, but as you build out actual infrastructure, you have to be really conscious of power and utility companies are extremely focused as I mentioned, on avoiding that $100 billion CapEx investment. So if you can have ways to minimize and track the amount of power and load that you have at at given times during the day, this is going to be extremely financially um, incentivized for customers.
0: You know, I know one premise for EV Ready and and, and this company was that EV charging and electrification is generally oversimplified. It's a lot more complicated. EV charging is unique because unlike gas cars, it's tied to the grid and it's tied to a network. And that just opens up a can of worms for challenges and opportunities. And, uh, you know, when I hear you talk, well, I it just, you are the solution to simplifying a complex circumstance within the battery space. And I, I, I love, I love to hear you talk about it just because you're so advanced in the head of the game. And I think uh, in general, customers are really going to learn a lot from you. So thanks for taking the time on the podcast. Really appreciate it. And, uh, and yeah, m- maybe we'll do another one in a year from now when things change.
1: Absolutely, man. I look forward to it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where the industry evolves. And hopefully um, things continue to roll out at a rapid pace.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, take care. Thanks for coming.